Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen and welcome to a live edition of Way in Sports Talk. I'm your host Brian Tarvin. Joined with no co-host at the moment. Whoever calls in, calls in. Make sure you do. If you'd like to talk some football tonight, we have a lot to talk about. I'm sure Jonathan, Quinn, somebody's going to be here shortly. So, so I wanted to call a show tonight. Well, this year we haven't done the two shows a week as much as we have in years past, and that's been because of a lot of change I've had going on in my life and some issues and all of it, you know, sports is very important, but life's more important. So that's probably why you haven't heard from me as much. Or, But we do still have a faithful listening audience that listens to us on a regular basis that we do appreciate. So, guys, this weekend is Judgment Weekend to me. The committee came out with its initial rankings, and we will go over that. And we're also going to talk about, you know, some other things in college football and the NFL, for that matter. Monday Night Football was a was a doozy. Carolina took care of the Colts in overtime. Surprise, surprise, that game was supposed to be over. And credit to the Colts, man. They, they came back in that fourth quarter with 17 points. And that's terrible when you have like a 23 to 6 lead and all of a sudden you're tied up. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. Again, I've hit a 52-yard field goal in overtime. Cam Newton led the drive. This was a drive. It was a nasty night for football, which to me favored Carolina. I think they got up too much and they got comfortable like – like everybody else, you know, you you get a lead like that against the Colts, and you think the the three and four teams going to fold, but they didn't. They kept fighting. Carolina was lucky to escape with their record undefeated and an attack. And and who does what does that mean for Carolina this week? I mean, were were they saving something? I mean, that's a fair question to ask. What were they trying to save? But this week, the Carolina Panthers get the Green Bay Packers coming off a loss in, in Denver, and that's not good. That's not good. It's a short day, the Monday night game to Sunday. Green Bay's a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, as well as they should be. Green Bay's not going to lose two games in a row, probably. But the fact that that Carolina defense can cause hell on people is a good reason why I'm probably going to pick the Carolina Panthers. If you'd like to call in tonight, 646. Seven one six five five six four. Some news, real quick, and I know I've gotten a lot of hate mail uh, because of some of the things I posted about Auburn 
quarterback situation. And trust me, I'm I'm not a, a Sean White hater. I'm not a believer in Jeremy Johnson anymore. I can put it that way. But I've been saying for weeks that Auburn had to go JUCO. They had to go find a JUCO quarterback if they're going to compete next year. And guess what? Today, John Franklin III has committed to Auburn. This is the kid, if you remember, last year uh, or the year before. He transferred from Florida State to a junior college in East Mississippi, the same place Ole Miss's quarterback's from right now. And he's coming to Auburn. This is what does this mean? I mean, does it mean if you're Sean White, do you do you transfer? Uh, you know, Jeremy Johnson is going to transfer from Auburn. There's no doubt about it in my mind. He'll be the next to go. I mean, he's he's wanting at least one shot, and I think he got a shot. He got a he got his shot Saturday when he came back in against Ole Miss, and he just played terrible. And I think that was his last and final shot. Throwing the balls in the double and triple coverage is not going to get you back in the good graces of the fans, the team, the coaching staff. It's just not going to happen. And let's go over real quick. Last night, there's a lot of people in shock over the committee's rankings. And actually, believe it or not, I got these. I got these things nailed right from one to four. I missed five, but one to four, I was right. Clemson one, LSU two, Ohio State three, Alabama four, Notre Dame five. The thing is, Notre Dame and Alabama, there's a big up uproar, an outcry of uh, favoritism. The name Alabama got him in. But let's think about this. Let's just stop. Let's take our blinders off, our glasses off. Let's think about Alabama for a minute. Here's a team that has played two top ten teams, and I don't care where they're at now. I don't care where the, where they are now. Let's look at Alabama's schedule. They played Wisconsin the first game of the year was a ranked 20th. They beat the brakes off of them, 35 to 17. The next week they play a Middle Tennessee team that's not bad. Beat them 37-10. They did lose 43-37 to Ole Miss, a game that they turned the ball over five times more than Ole Miss. And they lost by six points. Louisiana Monroe, 34 to nothing At Georgia, at the time, was ranked number eight, 38-10. Just a shellacking on the road against the top-10 team. They came back and played Arkansas at home, 27-14. And Arkansas is not a very bad team. They're a tough, physical, beat-you-up kind of team. Then all of a sudden, they go on the road to Texas A&M, ranked number ninth at the time. Smoked them, 41-23. to Came back and played a Tennessee team in Tuscaloosa. After, you got to think, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in a row. Alabama played. And they played a Tennessee team that's just a real tough team that was that could easily be undefeated right now. They won that game 19-14, to showed the characteristics of a true champion. And, Jonathan, and welcome to the show. I mean, Alabama at number four, I really can't say I have a problem with it. And I think it's because they beat two top ten teams at the time on the road in that Wisconsin game, I think, still helping them a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, I mean – I don't have a huge problem with Bama being up there, and I understand also why the committee did it. 
because what they essentially did was say, look, the winner of the LSU-Alabama game is going to be in the top. So, you know, if you're Iowa or Michigan State or Baylor, TCU, don't don't get too agitated just yet. Let that game play out, and then the spot's going to open back up. But Alabama definitely deserve the right to be considered the best one-loss team in the nation. Uh, you know, like, like you said, they they were they played what was it, seven games in a row. I mean, it's just it's been yeah. one after Eight another games. for them. They haven't had a bye. Eight games in a row, I believe, Jonathan. They wow. they they played they played Wisconsin, Middle Tennessee, Ole Miss, Louisiana, Monroe, Georgia, Arkansas, Texas, and the Tech. Tennessee, that's eight. Now they finish up LSU at Mississippi State and Charleston Southern and at Auburn. I mean, you know, if they win LSU, where they, I don't think Alabama goes much higher if they do beat LSU right here. And I think they stay at around four, don't you? I agree. I think the committee is going to do the look, there's still one loss team and they're still big time undefeated out there. And that's why I think Alabama is going to become the, the jumping candidate, if you will, to where even if they beat LSU, like, you know, like, like which is, you know, there's a chance of that this weekend, they might still just hang around four until we see a little more, a couple more teams lose games so that we don't have as much conversation as we did last year when Florida State was running the table and teams started leapfrogging Florida State and everybody, there, there was still that conversation of what are you doing? And I think that's what they're trying to avoid this year. Yeah, and and tell me this, and what do you think? Notre Dame at five, I think they hit their ceiling, Jonathan. Right there, I think it's as high as Notre Dame can get right now. What do you think about Notre Dame at five? What does that say to Baylor and TCU right now? To Michigan State, that that surprised me that Notre Dame's ranked ahead of a Michigan State that's undefeated. Yeah, that caught me off guard too. I thought Notre, I thought Michigan State would be ranked higher than Notre Dame. I especially thought you know TCU would. Baylor, I questioned because of the quarterback injury, how the committee would treat that. Um, this might be Notre Dame. Like I said, this might be their high point. They might not move off that five spot until you know everybody else starts to lose. Um, and, and it's you know it's still that there you know the no conference bias is still going to go against them, and I, I think it's also from a standpoint of they have lost a game, and to, you know Alabama being what everybody considers to be the clear cut one loss team, undefeated they're still going to find a way to sneak in ahead of them for now. Notre Dame's played a tough schedule. Don't get me wrong; it's just their road struggles obviously have people worried. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, if you watch the Virginia and the Temple game, uh, which they both won on the road, but the, I mean, they were one possession games they could have easily lost. So they have struggled on the road this year. And I think until that Stanford game, Notre Dame's going to keep hanging around that five spot. That Stanford game could elevate them into the top four, though, if they do win. Yeah, but, but, but here's the deal with Stanford. They're at 11 right now. I don't know how many games left. You know, to me, to move up, you got to beat a team better than you. And teams above you have to lose. But I think what Notre Dame, even if they just say, say they do climb up to that number four spot, they beat Stanford. And I don't, I'm not sure if this is that week, the next weekend when, when you have the Pac-12 championship game, when you have the SEC championship game, Notre Dame's not playing. Notre Dame's forgotten, Jonathan, and that's where. 
people mistake they mistake last year. They're like, okay, TU, you, you know, there, there's no conference championship game, so nobody really paid attention to them. Ohio State went out and won 59 to nothing in a conference championship game, and all of a sudden TCU is on the outside looking in. I think that could happen to Notre Dame. I think it could happen to Alabama uh, if they don't play for it. I don't think a one-loss Alabama team is getting in the playoffs if they don't win the SEC. Do you? I, I just don't see that. Neither do I, and I think your point is very valid. Um, it's very much a what have you done lately the mentality that we've seen with this committee. And that's that's an important thing we all need to remember because, like you said, the Big 12, Notre Dame, neither one of them are going to be playing on that final Saturday uh, before we get to, you know, the final, the final selection. So they will be forgotten about it. Everybody's going to be paying attention to the Big Ten champs and champs game, the Pac-12 and SEC and the ACC. People are going to be focused on those. They're not. They're not going to be looking at you know to to see how TCU did because they're not playing, and and that's really going to factor in. I think you you hit it right on when you said oh, that's why Ohio State got in last year because TCU and Baylor were at home watching Ohio State play. You know Ohio State went yeah. out there, smoked Wisconsin, and all of a sudden the committee goes, "Hey, look at this team. Look what they've done. Look what they did Saturday. Well, what Baylor and TCU do, but they didn't play." You know, and that's that last impression you get. Well, 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 TCU did play. They played like some the bottom feeder of the Big Twelve and beat them like fifty nine to ten or something. But again, on that day, were you did you care about Iowa State and TCU, or did you care about uh, the SEC championship, Bama, Missouri, the ACC championship, Florida State, Georgia Tech, the the Pac twelve championship, so forth, Big Ten, and you just get forgotten, and uh, T- Baylor's going to have to learn the hard way. They're at number six right now. They're going to lose the game, Jonathan. I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma won the Big 12 and 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 actually won the conference and got left out. I don't think you could put an Oklahoma team, a one-loss team in that, that lost to Texas, for God's sake. I mean, you know, maybe you can. I don't know, but I'm just saying, don't panic. Everybody out there panicking right now because I'll tell you one thing that did get my attention, and you tell me what you thought. I thought Ole Miss would be ranked a little bit higher than what they were because they beat Alabama. But what scares me is this. Ole Miss is 18 right now. I don't know if they can make that climb from 18 to 4. Even by winning the SEC, because there's so many teams ahead of them, Jonathan, tell me right now, if, if LSU loses to Alabama, there's a good chance that the SEC could get left out of the the playoff, man. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It could. There, it's it's very strange what what's going on there. I mean, we, let's let's remember. And, and as a Florida State fan, I've heard this uh, since since it was released. Ohio State was number sixteen in in the first uh, poll last year, the committee poll. So and they they were able to climb all the way up to four. I, I, you know, there, there's obviously some validity to that statement to where if you're in that teens range, maybe you still you still have a shot, and that's you know that's that's important. But I think you're right. Ole Miss with two losses, if they went out and win the SEC, I mean, you're talking Florida have two losses then, so they're out. Uh, Alabama doesn't win the SEC. The team they lost to does win it. They have to be out. You can't put them in over Ole Miss. 
And if Ole Miss wins out, that means they beat LSU. So LSU's out. So, I mean, can we really see uh, an 11 and 2 Ole Miss team sneak up in there? I mean, yeah, the two losses are no. bad, but are you going to put them ahead of a one loss conference champ? And, and you know, no. it's. Nope. You're not. Because Memphis. Memphis is a yeah. good football team, but they're not respected, Jonathan. They're not. I mean, I thought Ole Miss, what did I tell you the other night? It would be about 13. That's what I was looking at them to be, or maybe uh, 14. You know, I was looking at the 18 range. Just say if they do beat, LSU loses to Alabama tomorrow or Saturday, right? Just they lose. And all of a sudden, they're about number eight or nine. Well, that's Ole Miss's only game left against a ranked opponent, really. Besides Mississippi State, I don't think they'll be ranked by the time they play. So, I mean – is beating an LSU team, the top ten team, enough to move you from, you know, 18 all the way up to four? But if Ole Miss wins out and they play a one-loss Florida team in the SEC championship and beat them, a team that beat them earlier in the year, then maybe, yeah. But, but I think it has to be a one-loss Florida team in that SEC championship game they beat. It can't be – uh, two lost Florida team just lost to Florida State. This has to be a real good Florida team that's sitting right now at number ten. If they went out, they're probably going to be in the top seven, you know, top six. Um, so it has to be something like that, I think. But Alabama's in trouble if Ole Miss doesn't lose. Like I, I just, if you don't win your division, I just don't think they put you in right now. I don't. Unless you have two loss champions. Now, if you're a two loss Pac-12 champion, maybe you put Alabama in. You know, because the one loss against Ole Miss, a team that won the SEC or something. But I, I just, I just did not see Alabama. I don't see them getting in, Jonathan, if, unless something happens. Because there's going to be some chaos going on, and if Clemson gets past Florida State, who's going to beat them? That's a very good point. I mean, if Clemson if, if Clemson does win Saturday, I think they run the table, and they're obviously they're in the playoff, and that obviously starts shaking a little bit of mud off because what well, you have one team locked in, and then I think at this point the way we're looking at it, the Big Ten champions probably a lock at this point. Um, you know, because from the looks of it, the Big Ten champ at worst is going to have one loss. You know, because Ohio State, you know, can't get in with two. Michigan State beat Michigan. You know, it just right now it looks like whoever is going to be the Big Ten, Big Ten champ is going to have one loss. So they're going to be a lock in. And at that point, you just you look at the other three conferences. And you know what, though? I tell you what, they ranked Memphis a lot higher than I thought they would. Memphis. Yeah. Memphis could sneak in if they're undefeated. That's something to watch. Mm-hmm. And it depends on Ole Miss what they do. If old, the more Ole Miss keeps winning and the more Memphis keeps winning, the more Memphis is going to find Jonathan. That's what they're looking at. Because, I mean, if they run the table, they could sneak in. Would they get in over a one-loss Bama team? I don't know. I mean, why not? The conference they're in is not bad. I mean, it's it's obviously pretty good, but you could have some, some, you know, just cannibalism going on, especially in the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Stanford's probably going to lose another game. You know how Stanford is. They always lose two. 
your your Pac-12 champion is probably going to have three losses. It'll probably be Southern Cal. You know, you can't win on the road, I don't think. They're not going to win out. Baylor's not going to win out. I mean, you're going to have some carnage here. And it, it, I, I couldn't tell you the top four teams right now to save my life who's going to be in it. But while I have you here, Jonathan, what I started off with, you remember for weeks, you know, people been arguing with me about Auburn's quarterback, the future, Sean White. Um, Quinn's going to come mm-hmm. on and talk that Auburn went through the JUCO uh, route. Did you hear about the big pickup Auburn got, the big commitment they got today? I did. Um, I actually, I saw it from Quinn um, that uh, JF3 went ahead and did commit to uh, to Auburn, which I, that's a huge get for Auburn. Um, he's He was obviously a very talented quarterback. Else Florida State would have never bought him in. Um, unfortunately, things didn't work out, and, and he left. So, I mean, that's a huge get for you guys. Uh, you know, I, from what I've seen of him, he's, he's extremely talented. He can swing the football around because, I mean, Jimbo doesn't bring a quarterback in unless he can – he believes he can play that post-style system. So, I mean, this is this guy I think is a very solid dual threat quarterback. I think, you know, he's a very big addition for Malzahn, and I think you guys are going to wind up liking him. Yeah, let's bring Quinn on. Quinn, you know, I've been – I know we've disagreed on this subject. I knew Auburn was going to the JUCO route. They had to. What does this say? What, if you're Sean White, what does this move mean to you right now? Uh, I don't – honestly, I doubt he's even really thought about what it means to him. Oh, now, to, come on. To him, you really think that during a middle of the game week that he's thinking about a guy they're bringing in? You really think that's on his mind? It would be me. I mean, it would be mine. What do you think, Jonathan? I mean, am I reaching here? I think he's probably wondering why. Yeah, you're you're not reaching there. I, I, I bet you it was the first thing. Once somebody probably sent it to Sean and said, hey, hey, you know, have you, have you seen this? And I bet he is thinking about it. He, he's, I bet he's starting to weigh his options and his, you know, what he can do in the future for him because it does look like the coaching staff, you know, they're playing him now, but it's almost like they're auditioning him for somebody else um, at the same time. So, that, I mean, that's the best thing Malzahn's doing for him is allowing him to play so he has an opportunity to show teams, look, this is what I can do. Let me transfer him. And he was only a three-star, Quinn. He wasn't like some elite five-star or anything. But like Jonathan said, Jimbo wouldn't have brought him in. But what yeah. I've been saying all along is Auburn cannot reach an SEC championship game with Sean White as a quarterback position. And obviously Jeremy Johnson is going to transfer. He's going to be the first one to transfer. I don't know if White will transfer immediately. White may see if he wins a job and then transfer. But – Franklin's going to be Auburn's quarterback next year, probably. You got to have a dual threat quarterback to win the SEC conference. You can't go up against these defenses with drop back passers and think you're just going to win. Auburn's not built like that. They're not made like that. And and yeah. so so Quinn, you're you're, you're still on the uh, the white bandwagon, I guess, huh? Uh, to me, it really doesn't matter who plays. Whoever's better and gets the job, that's who gets the job. I'll stand behind whoever's playing. That's how I am. Yeah. All right. Well, you're Notre Dame Irish, man, or at number five. And 
and I and I told you last night. I think they're at their ceiling. What do you think about Notre Dame being at five right now? Uh, I think it tells me exactly what I need to know about what the committee thinks of Notre Dame. If Notre Dame takes care of business and wins the rest of the way out, I think the other teams will cannibalize themselves and they'll get in. I mean, I've had this feeling since the beginning of the year that one of my teams would be in the playoffs this year, and I really think uh, Notre Dame will get in. And people think, oh, no, they're this is their highest they can go. Well, I'll say this. I think after LSU or Bama loses this week and Notre Dame wins, I think Notre Dame Notre Dame hits uh hits fourth. And then if and then if Clemson loses, oh, I think they'll for sure be in the top four then. Yeah, if Alabama beats the LSU in a field goal game in Tuscaloosa I think LSU drops to four. I think Alabama moves to three. I think Ohio State moves to two. And I think Clemson moves to one. I think Notre Dame's going to stay at at number five. You can't you can't really penalize LSU losing a field goal game on the road at Alabama, ranked at number four. So, I, and and here's the deal: Notre Dame looking at the rest of their schedule looks pretty easy besides that Stanford game. But how good Stanford gonna be at that time and, and what if what if you beat Stanford, Stanford turns around and loses the Southern Cal in the Pac twelve championship game or something and now you have a, a three loss Pac twelve champion team, I just think it takes a lot out of Notre Dame. I don't know, if you look at their schedule, Clemson could be a conference champion, Navy or Temple could be a conference champion, then you have USC or Stanford is a conference champion, Pitt could still make it to the conference championship game. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's some good points. That's some good points, Jonathan. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was just thinking about it, and if you look at Notre Dame's schedule, you know, it's a very solid schedule. I mean, obviously that win against Texas doesn't mean anything anymore. The win against Virginia doesn't mean anything. Uh, beating Georgia Tech... At the time, it looked great. It still looks good considering, and, and this is where I got to give, you know, I, I got to relax on tech a little. I mean, they, they've had so many guys injured this year. It's just unreal, and that's the difference between Georgia Tech and Notre Dame is that Notre Dame's having their injuries and rebounding where Tech hasn't. So I still think that's a good win. UMass, who cares? Clemson, obviously that was a tough loss, but it's not like he lost to Texas. Oh, I'm looking at you, Oklahoma. Um, and it, you know they beat Navy, they beat USC, they beat Notre, uh, they beat Temple, they have Pittsburgh, and they're they're at Pitt. That's this weekend, and that's a big game. Pitt only has one loss. Um, I you know I this is in all reality the fifth game in a row that Notre Dame's playing what I would consider a quality opponent before they get two bye weeks and then Stanford. Um, so, I mean, if you look at Notre Dame's schedule, they've got seven games on there where I would consider they play good opponents, um, and they don't play any FCS teams, and that's a huge advantage for it's them. A, so, it's a two-loss team. Well, oh, that's right, Pitt did lose to North Carolina. Yeah, so, I mean, they're a two-loss team. It's still, I still think it's a quality opponent. It's going to be a tough game, especially the fact it's a road noon game. Uh, if they win that game, they're going to roll through their next two and then it's Stanford. So as long as Notre Dame wins this weekend, they're still in consideration for the top four. Now my question is, 
are you rooting for Clemson to win or are you rooting for Clemson to lose this weekend? Because if they lose, obviously that kind of helps you out in trying to move up. But at the same time, it doesn't, you know, if Clemson loses, your strength of schedule takes a little hit. So I, yeah. I just, I'm interested from that angle. How I look at it is, to me, I I want Clemson to win out the rest of the way. I want LSU to win out the rest of the way. I could, I could the Big Ten. I could care less. The Big Twelve is going to cannibalize themselves. I think. I think each of them will lose. And since they all have them in November, I think it's going to bump their stock down. And already, what they think of the conference, I think it's going to bump them down. So I think, I think uh, Notre Dame, if they can win out, uh, I think uh, they'll get the fourth spot. You could be right, but I think you're going to have to have two loss teams in order. And just, just for instance, if you have a one loss Ohio State Big Ten champion. They're getting in over Notre Dame. A one-loss SEC champion Alabama is getting in over Notre Dame. A one-loss LSU SEC champion is getting in. Clinton getting in. Um, undefeated Baylor or TCU, the the team that's undefeated gets in. Michigan but I don't State, think, if they win it, they're getting in. But I don't think they. But I don't think the Big Twelve will have an undefeated team. I think that's what I'm well, saying. I no, think I, mean, I think they I don't, all cannibalize. No, but I'm just giving you if scenarios. If Florida wins the rest of their games and wins the SEC, they get in over Notre Dame. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, the, but the those are all conference champions. champs. That's what I was yeah. talking about. I'm talking about I think the SEC will have a spot because I think whoever wins that will have one loss. I think – and then I think the Big Ten will have a spot, and I think the ACC will have a spot. What about Ole Miss? If all, what if they run the table? That'd be the best case. That'd be great yeah. for Notre Dame yeah. because Notre Dame would get in. Notre Dame would get in probably over a two-loss Ole Miss team. Uh, Jonathan, would, would you? Agree wouldn't that, with that be a great debate, though? Yeah, I would put Notre Dame in because Notre Dame didn't lose the Memphis. They, 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 they lost on the road at Clemson, which would be number one and undefeated. And that's it. They need some quality teams. I'm sorry, old Miss. You lost to Memphis, man. I'm sorry. You, <laughs> Notre Dame's getting in by team alone, too. I mean, for, for, let's, I, I want to take the one loss away for a minute with Notre Dame. They're going to get Notre Dame in if they can because of the, how many Notre Dame fans are in this world. But, and, and you know, old, old Miss's name, what is old Miss, really? I mean, Old Piss is what a lot of people have called. I mean, are you really going to put old, a two-loss Old Piss team over a one-loss Notre Dame team? Now, now here's the debate. A two-loss SEC champion Old Piss, and you have a 11-1 and Alabama team that got left out of the SEC championship game, and you have an 11-1 and Notre Dame team, Jonathan. Now, look at that. Oh, my God. Well, let me go ahead and complicate it even further just because I find this to be fun. <laughs> one loss Notre Dame, two loss SEC champ Ole Miss, one loss Alabama, and an undefeated Memphis, all vying for the fourth spot. Oh, God. Oh, my. Oh, where God. do you go? How do you win that? I don't. You don't. You don't win that. You I just hope everybody else clear. loses so you don't have that situation. But 
I mean, if that were to happen at the end of the year, the committee stuck with you to rock in a hard place because if they what if they say, Well, we're gonna put Ole Miss ahead of Notre Dame, then Memphis comes knocking on the door saying, Uh, we beat them and have two less losses. So, um, like hook a brother up. Yeah. You know <laughs> You know what I but, think they would look at in that situation if they were really considering Memphis? I think they would look at how much wins. did Memphis beat like a Navy or a Temple by? Yeah, and they yeah. would and they and they would start looking at that situation because 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 Notre Dame played both of them. Good point. Good point. But I'm gonna tell you this: an undefeated Memphis team will not get in over a one-loss Notre Dame team or an Alabama team, but they would get in over a two-loss Ole Miss champion, though. I mean, because how how in the world could you? <laughs> Could you imagine the Ole Miss with two losses comes in with SEC championship, gets in over an undefeated Memphis team? I would probably quit watching football if that happened. I mean, I mean that would be that would be terrible. But I just want to throw that out. Florida at number ten says a lot about what they're doing and their schedule that's left. They have a good possibility of being a one-loss team. Oklahoma State's undefeated at 14. That ought to tell you that they suck and they haven't played anybody. Uh, Northwestern is 21. I don't get that. Um, let's see, Houston undefeated. Toledo 7-1. and one. They're ranked. Temple didn't fall. I think uh, Temple actually gained ground, didn't they? In the, if you look at the committee at 22. Weren't they about 22 when they played Notre Dame anyway? Yeah. Yeah. So Michigan's ahead. A two loss a two loss Michigan team with one less win is ahead of Ole Miss. And I'll tell you something right there. That's important right now because they're saying the Michigan State game was a fluke. And Ole Miss, remember guys, they got pistol whipped by Florida and it wasn't like they these were close games. They got skull drunk by these guys. And Auburn actually yeah. could have beat them this weekend. So I, I don't want to harp on this too much, but the committee's telling me, Ole Miss, you're not going. I mean, I'm sorry. There's there's too many scenarios out there. But if LSU, but if LSU beats if LSU beats Alabama this weekend, and Ole Miss beats LSU, then we're gonna have some more controversy. I mean, it's just it's all controversy. That's why we got to let it play out. See what happens. Well, guys, y'all ready to talk about some of these games this weekend coming up? Yeah, and I'll start it out with a bang. I think Kansas State beats Baylor tomorrow night in Manhattan, Kansas. You're crazy, man. Jonathan, go ahead and talk about that one. I don't know. You may agree with Quinn, but I think Baylor's going to beat him by 40. Well, here, here's my thought. It's a Thursday night game on the road. Those are always tough. Yeah. It'll be a true freshman's first game. That's tough. It's a conference opponent in Kansas State who is a tough team, especially in the Little Apple. I, I mean, this, this it's going to be an interesting game. I definitely think the line's a little too high. It's a Baylor line, though. Um, and there's still a belief that Baylor is a system. So, you know, it, with, with what I mean by that is moved, they seamlessly moved from RG3 to Petty to Russell. Now there's a belief they'll just move seamlessly into Stidham. 
So it's it's going to be a great game to watch. I'm very intrigued by it, but I'm not ready to pull the upset trigger yet because I still think Baylor is a better football team than Kansas State. Kansas State's had a lot of injuries on offense. They're pretty one-dimensional. So if Baylor just loads the box and can and can contain the quarterback from running for 200 yards, I think they can go ahead and get the job done. Because I'll tell you right now, Baylor has a better defense than TCU. They just need to score points. And I think having the running game that Baylor has, they can take a lot of pressure off this kid and let him ease his way into his first win. All right. Well, we'll we'll see what happens with that one, Quinn. That wasn't even on my list, but thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's let's. Here's a game that's got my attention, and I don't know why the point spread's five and a half. But Michigan State travels Saturday night to Lincoln, Nebraska. Three and six Nebraska team playing an eight and zero Michigan State team, Jonathan. Why is Michigan State only favored five and a half? Because they only beat Rutgers and Rutgers by three or six, seven, whatever. They beat a crappy Rutgers team by one by one score that they got with like 30 seconds left. Um, so there's still that worry about Michigan State. Are they this year's Florida State? Well, you know what? Look, if a team is scraping by, a team is scraping by. Uh, winning is still winning at the end of the day. And Michigan State, should they be undefeated? No, they should have lost to Michigan. But you know what? Things like that happen. Trust me, I witnessed it in Atlanta. So I think at this point I'm not willing to lay the points. <laughs> um, I think Michigan State wins that game because looking at it and after watching some of what I am, you know, re-watching some tape of the Nebraska-Purdue game, I'm a firm believer that team's quit. I think that team has quit, and that's bad. You hired a new head coach. And seven games into his uh, seven eight games to his first season, the team's already quit. So I, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, but I understand five and a half. That's the biggest zone. Okay, I'm gonna take Nebraska in this game and take the five and a half. They could actually pull the upset. And, and again, I don't think Michigan State's as good as their record. Quinn, who do you like in this one? Uh, I like Michigan. I like Michigan State by about, like, 10. Okay. Well, we'll see. The next one, and this is this is a 4-4 four and four Washington team that's caught fire, in my opinion. I watched them play. They look pretty darn good. Playing a Utah team that got demoralized. I mean, how do you bounce back from getting beat like that? I mean, you're, you're up in the top three, and you get skull drug in the – Coliseum, and now you go on the road to a tough place to play Washington. Very well-coached team. Jonathan, I like Washington to cause more chaos in the Big 12 by beating Utah. Well, I saw Washington beating Arizona because I actually looked back and looked at their head-to-heads. And A, Arizona's been a dreadful on the road this year. But B, like the past like 15 years, uh, the home teams won the game in that in that little series there. So I think that saying they've caught fire, they're still in four and fourteen. They still got some offensive issues. Defensively, they look pretty sound. And Peterson seems that you know just have what he wants on defense. He's, he's trying to get the offense to come around, and that's tough with the young quarterback. So I'm going to take Utah to win this game. They've had a week to sit on that USC loss. You know they're ready. You know they're ready to get back out there and prove to everybody they're not a fluke. 
and that, you know, they're back out there to bust some heads. I think Utah wins this game by double digits. Clear. I'm actually with Tarvin. I think Washington wins the game by 10 points. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. Utah is just, I don't know. I just, wow, I just don't know how you come back from that kind of loss. The committee puts you at 12. It's just going to be hard to bounce back. The Auburn Tigers going on the road, underdog seven points, A&M. On paper, you you asked me this a couple weeks ago, I'd say A&M would be blowing Auburn out. But Carl Lawson back in the lineup. Uh, Sean White's going to be playing. Looks like Javon Robinson's woken up. Uh, Jonathan, I kind of like Auburn in this game. It's kind of a must win for them because you look at it, this will give them their fifth win. They play Idaho 6. That leaves Georgia and Bama at home in Jordanair Stadium. They could split those and have a decent season, win them both 8-4, and four, and maybe turn some heads. I like Auburn to go in on the road and run the football solid against A&M. If they start dropping back and passing, they're going to get killed by those pass rushers, Garrett company. But I think they can win. I think there's some controversy going on in A&M. They look terrible against South Carolina, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. They, they looked really bad against South Carolina. Uh, they got some more lives to Alabama. Then Ole Miss came back up and just, I mean, they didn't need to do that. The horse was already dead. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, looking at it, and has got issues at the quarterback position. Someone obviously has no control over what's going on there, and that 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 makes me wonder how much longer he'll have a job there. Um, yeah, I mean, with Carl Lawson back, I think you're right. That makes a huge difference. He can get after those quarterbacks. You leave a you know a spy on on Murray if he's playing because you know he's going to try and run around like Manziel. And I mean, you just got to make sure Christian Kirk doesn't get behind your secondary, and you can control this team because they don't run the football enough. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I'll push it up and I'll take Auburn at plus seven and a half. Um, I'll give myself that hook just just in case. Um, But I I think Auburn should win this game. I just don't trust that team at all. I I don't. You don't trust Auburn or A&M? I still don't trust Auburn. I mean, I, I both. I really don't trust A and M, even though they lost when I wanted them to. But I mean, I just cannot get behind Auburn right now. That team just doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to trust them. Quinn, who do you like in this? I like Auburn by a touchdown. I think the score would be like forty-two, thirty-five. Good lord, that's a. Pack 12, no defensive scoring. And and here's the deal in this game. The defense of Auburn, I think, can make a bigger impact than you think because the corners lock up man-to-man, and they're getting a lot better. Carl Austin yeah. makes everybody on that field better, especially Casanova McKenzie for some reason. He's actually figured out how to play football last week. Uh, I think Auburn's defense, and if you look at the regulation games, Jonathan, I'll surprise you. If I, I tell you the scores that Auburn's given up in regulation, remember that one game was – the Ole Miss 27, and they've been holding teams under 30 points, which if you, you told me that before the year started, I would say Auburn won every one of those games, but, but they're not winning it. But the defense – 
they're they're playing good in the red zone. They're kicking, they're limiting people to field goals for the most part, but the offense has to find a way to score in the red zone. That's where Auburn, the last two years, Gus Malzahn, it's his fault. I'm tired of him trying to blame other things. The bottom line is the coaches need to get off their ass and all the millions of dollars they're making and do something about it. Um, I'm not blaming Sean White. I'm blaming the play calling. So Gus Malzahn, in order to win, is going to have to have some good play calling. Or this Auburn team is going to be more untrustworthy. So let's move on real quick. So I'm picking Auburn. Everybody's picking Auburn here, but we're we're a little hesitant right now. So that's okay. Notre Dame goes on the road to Pittsburgh. Eight and a half point favorite. A noon kickoff game. Uh, Pittsburgh needs this win. They need it badly, Jonathan. I'm going to take the eight and a half, but I think Notre Dame wins. I think they win by a touchdown. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, that for some reason this always seems to be kind of a close, uh, not you know, kind of a brawl to the end kind of a game. And it's always a fun game to watch. I've always enjoyed it, um, even though Notre Dame keeps winning, but that is what it is. Um, I think I'm going to go with you. I think I'll take the plus eight and a half because uh, I still think Notre Dame wins. I think it's going to be a seven-point game. Um, you know, it's just these next three weeks, they're just trying to get by. They are, Pitt, you know, if Pitt does what I think we all kind of expect Pitt to do at this point, they're going to wind up averaging back to the mean and finish like seven and five. So, you know, and then you got Boston Collins to wait for us. They're just trying to make it to Stanford unscathed. They don't want anybody else to get hurt because they got enough of those. So I can see like a 27-20 type game. Quinn, Notre Dame yeah, by 40, I, is that what you're going to say? No, I think <laughs> I think my seven's about right. Uh, Pitt, Pitt has always been a side into Notre Dame no matter what, and especially since it's an early kickoff, and uh, Notre Dame isn't used to really noon kickoff, so I think Notre Dame could get off the slow start. But, yeah, I see them winning between, like, seven and ten points. So, yeah, I think it'll be close to the end. Yeah, usually if you're playing noon games, you suck. Notre Dame's a good football team, and they're playing uh, a noon <laughs> game, which is which is rare. Auburn's at noon every day, except when they're on the road, they want to put them at night to, to screw them over even more. But uh, uh, Jonathan, man, Florida State, 12-and-a-half-point underdog, man. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw that number, but – what do you think about your team being 12-and-a-half-point underdogs to Clemson? I mean, did that surprise you to see that point spread? It really did. Um, I mean, we've beaten Clemson three years in a row now. Uh, last time we went to Death Valley, um, we kind of left it in ruins, 51-14. Uh, so, I mean, this is the first time we're double-digit dogs under Jimbo Fisher, so there's really no precedent for me to go on off of this. Um, against number one ranked teams, Florida State's won about 20% of the time, so I, that's better actually than um, the, the national average. So, I mean, I still think there's a chance for us to win this football game. Um, I'm a homer to the end. I'm taking the tw- – you know, I'm not I'm not laying those points. I'm, I'm taking the 12-and-a-half. Um, we're – if this becomes a track meet, we're in a whole lot of trouble. Let me just put that out there. If, if Clemson scores over 35 points, we've lost this game by a whole bunch. Um, 
But I think our defense is good enough this year to where we're going to keep it to a low-scoring game. We're not going to let our Tavis Scott get behind us. Uh, we're not going to let the running backs get a whole lot of leeway. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pull off the upset, though. I think Florida State goes ahead and wins this game 24-21. Well, here's the deal. This is weird because I've never seen Florida State a double-digit underdog, like you said, under Jimbo. Um they're playing their rival, really. I mean, in their conference, they're all the talent Florida State has on this team to be. To, I, I, if I'm Jimbo Fisher, I'm loving this. I'm like, okay, guys, you're a twelve and a half point underdog to Clemson. Clemson kind of has the curse of that number one ranking, you know. Too that's that's a, a big bullseye to carry around. I, this game interests me because I think Florida State's capable of beating anybody because of the talent that they have. You look at the recruiting, year in and year out, they're in the top five. And Clemson's a good little team, but really, besides that monsoon game, who have they really beat? I mean, who have they? Who has Clemson beaten to deserve a number one ranking? Looking at the schedule, Wofford, Appalachian State, they beat Louisville by three points, they beat Notre Dame by two, they beat Georgia Tech by 19, they beat Boston College by 17. Yes, they did beat Miami 58 to nothing, but that team quit. Last weekend, they give up 41 to NC State, and now all of a sudden they're a 12-point favorite over Florida State. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but Vegas was built because they know what they're doing. So, Jonathan, don't be offended here. Because I'm just going contrarian pick here. I'm going to take Clemson and get the 12.5 points because I just don't see how it's possible that this line is what it is. What do you think, Quinn? Uh, I would – I mean, if I, was, if I was 21, which I will be in a couple months, I would load up the money on, uh, on that line and uh, say that Clemson only wins by seven points. I find that – Wine extremely high. Yeah, it is. But but I mean, again, Vegas is is smart, aren't they, Jonathan? For some reason, I mean, it just worries me. And Jonathan picks football games. He knows what I'm talking about here. This line surprised me, and it's, it's hard to surprise me when it comes to point spreads. This one jumped off the page at me, Jonathan. Honestly, this worries you, doesn't it? I mean, it worries you that Clemson's a twelve and a half point favorite. Yeah, no, when I saw the 12-and-a-half, I, I did a double-take and said, all right, well, who put in the error? And then when I saw and I think it opened at 12, and then moved to 12-and-a-half. When it moved to 12-and-a-half, I got really nervous. I went, wait a minute, what's going on here? And I go, you know what? Dalvin's still questionable. Terrence is questionable. We don't know what's going on at right tackle. Um, and then now all of a sudden we have a quarterback controversy. So I I, I kind of under you know once I looked at that I went oh, and I get it once word comes out and we already know this so I mean Dalvin's playing Terrence Smith is playing um, and we're still figuring out quarterback and offensive line but I mean at this point I expect that line to move south of ten by game time I really do um, it's just yeah I mean twelve and a half I, the last time we were double digit underdogs was two thousand and nine at Florida, um, Tebow's last year. So that's, um, that's not a good precedent to set when the you know, the only times we've been double-digit dogs since, you know, 2000 um, have been the three, the three Tebow games. 
against Florida. I mean, I'm just I'm worried because those three games we got we got drug. Yeah. Well. But we'll see about that one, guys. It's going to be interesting to see the the game of the week, number two versus four, LSU-Alabama. The winner is probably your SEC West champion, if I had to guess. Alabama's a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, Quinn, in Tuscaloosa. Who do you like, buddy? I'm liking uh, Alabama by seven. And a really low-scoring game. See, I like Alabama by seven in a higher scoring game, like a, I don't know, like a thirty-one to twenty-four type game. Jonathan, what do you think? <laughs> that line just comes off stupid to me. I just, just, just to be frank, um, six and a half seems like too many points considering that you know LSU is I don't know undefeated. Um, and, I mean, and Alabama lost to Tuscaloosa already, so it's not like they have this sterling reputation for home field advantage right now. Um, I, I'm 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 going to do something that you're not going to hear me do too often. I'm going to push it up a point, take seven and a half, and take LSU. And I might even take LSU money line. I just I'm, I think LSU's defense is going to get after Coker, and it, it might create some mistakes. I mean, if Derrick Henry can run wild, uh, forget about it. The game's over. But, I mean, if Bama's forced to throw the football, are we sure that's a good thing? Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see Fournette, how he runs against Alabama. This guy could go off. Yeah. I mean, he may be saving it just for this game. And if he does go off, give him the Heisman right now. And it's hard to bet against a team like LSU that plays better in Tuscaloosa than they do at home. I mean, when when LSU goes to Alabama, remember that nine to six. Every year, it's just something less miles, and that team for some reason comes in more relaxed. When Saban's at home, he's more uptight. Saban goes to Baton Rouge, he's relaxed, and they play better. Man, this what a game this is going to be. It's going to be fun. If I'm if I'm taking it, I'm taking Alabama and giving up the six and a half. But I like the money line, like Jonathan said as well, with LSU. They're undefeated. Four net. They have the best player on the field. There's no doubt about it. So well, everybody's the thing picking. Is, the thing is, is what, that when? I don't th- I don't think Fournette will be able to run for over a hundred yards on that Alabama defensive line. I think that Alabama defensive line is that good. Is it better than Florida's? Uh, I think so. I think that Alabama front seven is probably the best in the nation. Okay, because I was just used to hearing about how Florida has the best defense around and watching give up uh, almost 200 yards to Fournette. I I could, you know, I'm just saying. So, I mean, if 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 there's a true belief outside the state of Florida at least, well, I don't have to listen to a bunch of Gator fans that Bama has the best defense. That I mean, you keep Fournette under 150, and uh, you keep him under 100, LSU gets stomped. Let's be honest. You know, unless their yeah. defense plays lights out, they get stomped. Now, here's the question: When does Saban? I mean, not Saban. When does Miles pull the fake the the fake um, special teams play? Is it going to be in the third quarter or the fourth quarter? Maybe the first play, he may all sack <laughs> <laughs> I 
mean, when's he gonna, I mean, the, that's the question in every game. When's he going to run that play? But, but so I'm going to tell you this. a big game, too, that he does. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that the key to this game is the quarterback for LSU. That's it. If he cannot throw the football on Alabama, they have no shot to beat him, I'm telling you. He's got LSU is going to have to do to Alabama what Alabama did to them in the national championship game, and that's loosen that defense up with with play action, short passes, screens, whatever, and then run the football with Fournette. You're not going to come in and three yards in a cloud of dust against Alabama. It's not going to work. So watch what I'm saying. LSU comes out throwing the football in order to loosen up the Alabama defense to run. They're not going to come in and run on Alabama. Quinn's right. He he said it perfectly. And it, it's just – but I think Fournette can go for 200. Well, what's the quarterback's name for LSU? I'm sorry, it's just slipping my mind. For some Brandon reason. Harris. Yeah, Brandon Harris. He's going to have to – He's going to have to earn his keep. He's going to have to, to win this game for LSU. So, we'll see. Do you have faith in him? I don't know. I don't, he hasn't given me any reason him, to have faith in him. The thing that helps him is he's mobile, can move around. And we and we all know how, how Alabama can struggle with mobile quarterbacks. So, I think that could be something to look out for is when he gets rushed out of the pocket is will will he will he make Bama hurt with his feet? Because if he can do that oh, then that could even open it up for uh for Fournette. Well all right guys, we're gonna go real quick into the NFL. A few games I wanna talk about real quick, give some predictions. Um I don't understand this line but I'm going with the Colts to win the game, Jonathan. Denver on the road, favored five at Indy. I'm going to go ahead and say Indy beats them. All right. Well, I mean, if you want to, you know, you want to go ahead and lose some money, go ahead. Oh, I, th- I think that after what I saw from Denver last week and how stupid they made me look, um, I, 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 I'm a firm believer in that defense. Indianapolis has a terrible offensive line. Um, Andrew Luck still don't look right. I mean, he still looks dinged up. There's something really wrong going on there. I think the Broncos win that game, and I don't think it's going to be close. I think they're going to wind up winning by ten, to be exact. Uh, I'm laying the five. Well, I think I think Quinn and I went against you, and you took Green Bay the other night. We were right, Quinn. Who are you going with? You're the tiebreaker here. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Denver and how and how they oh. and how they looked. Yes, I win. Okay, all right, That's the way it is, but yeah, I mean the Carolina had that game dominated Monday night, guys. They they quit once that Carolina got up. They started looking at Green Bay, and they started thinking about the Packers. Don't don't kid yourself. That's exactly no, what man. That happened. game was fixed by the NFL. It was fixed, so Carolina wouldn't cover the spread. It was. I'm telling <laughs> you, it was. I bought it down to three and a half, but look what it is. They won by three. I mean, did you see Ted didn't drop that touchdown pass? The game was clearly fixed. The game was fixed all the way. It was so fixed <laughs> that during the game, I called my buddy and said, hey, this game is fixed. And he goes, is it really? No, the game's fixed. Call your guys in Vegas. And this guy's in Vegas answered the phone and said, yeah, the game's fixed. This game was fixed. 
It had to have been. I mean, and Quinn, you probably don't believe it, but we we've been around long enough, and I've seen enough. And and it's not like fixed, fixed. Like we're just going to throw the game, but the point spreads are fixed. It's like they know Carolina. You're you're going to beat the hell out of Indy anyway. They said, but go ahead and let them. You know, at the end of the game, score a couple of touchdowns. You'll win it in overtime. Whatever. Nobody's the wiser. You have to remember what's big in the NFL is second half line. And they bet quarters too, so people can lose their minds if you bet that way. But yeah, I couldn't believe Ty Ginn dropped that pass. He was wide open. (laughs) I can't. I can't believe that this this line's coming out. Green Bay on the road at Carolina. Jonathan Green Bay's favored two and a half. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers held to less than a hundred yards. Now he's going on the road. I think Carolina's defense is in the ballpark with Denver. It's probably not as – Denver's defense is real good, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think Carolina can give some problems to Green Bay in this game. I think Carolina's going to take the game. Man, I am not touching the game. I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to play it. I mean, I, let, let's just say you're putting one to my head right now and i, I got to give you an answer. Uh yeah, I'm gonna go with the team I picked them in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Green Bay wins this game. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence in that. Uh, I I think this is gonna be one of the I think it's gonna be the best game of the weekend. Uh, you have two great teams going at it. Carolina a little offensively challenged, but obviously we saw that doesn't matter against Green Bay's defense. Then again, Green Bay was missing two of their top three corners, and Clay Matthews was dinged up. So I mean, if those guys get healthy, that could be a totally different ball game. Um, it seems going to be fun. Why is this I, a I noon game? Why is this a noon game? Jonathan, why is this a noon game? You got the two and five crappy Dallas Cowboys versus a three and four Philadelphia Eagles team. That's the night game. And then your Monday night game is the Bears two and five and the Chargers two and six. I mean, my God, move it around. Put Carolina on Sunday or Monday night. I mean, just, just make it happen. I'm saying, like, they have that whole flexibility thing at the end of the year where they can adjust it. Why not have it from the get-go? That way you can you can go ahead and when you got a game like this, you can switch it out. A, a, a. B, whose stupid idea was it to give the Chargers and Bears a Monday night game? I mean, really, Green Bay and Carolina won their divisions last year. I mean, those are two playoff teams from a year ago. Both teams played in the, in the divisional round. So, Whose idiotic idea was it to go ahead and make this a one game from the jump? How is this not the Monday night game? Yeah, the Eagles and Cowboys at 8.30. I know you can move that around. My God, I would put that at 9.30 in the morning because somebody's going to be watching it. Put it in there <laughs> when I'm sleeping. I'm, I'm going to church. So you play it during that time, and then when I come out, I'll just know who won. Because, I mean, Yo, what a Dallas terrible... and Philly fans would thank you if you move that game to London. That would be funny, wouldn't it? Quinn, who do you like in Green Bay, Carolina? I think Carolina beats them by 14 points. Oh, my gosh. Cam Newton goes off and just. I think 2014. I think think... Carolina can win this game. They're in the playoffs because I'm going to tell you something, guys. Atlanta, with their two losses right now, the Saints have, like, four losses. Tampa Bay's got four or five. I mean, Jonathan, is it safe to say that 
Carolina can win this game. They're back in the playoffs if they're 8-0. I think they're probably going to win their division. Nah, man, the Bucks are going to win the division. Didn't you watch last week? <laughs> I mean, no, but realistically, I realistically, realistically, if Carolina wins this game, you could be talking about them taking home field throughout the playoffs. Well, that would be huge because that would you're you're right. That would give them a three game lead over over Green Bay because Green Bay would have two losses, meaning Carolina would have to lose three games. And Green Bay would have to run undefeated in Seattle. Remember, Carolina went into Seattle and won that game, and Seattle's struggling. So that game was fixed. You talk about a fixed game last week with a point spread, Dallas and Seattle. That was fixed as they come, man. You want a fixed game, Pete, Pete, Pete Carroll. I see his picture every time I think of cheating and screwing people out of money and lying. That's Pete Carroll. So I took the Cowboys, and you I had a lock. Because of the point spread, Jonathan, the the Giants on the road favored two and a half over the Bucks in Tampa. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to pick Tampa to win and go go four and four. Jameis Winston getting on a roll here. He's going to beat New York, send in the four and five, and all of a sudden Tampa's at five hundred, a place that people didn't see a few weeks ago. Yeah, I really looking looking at it now. I really. Wish we had been able to hold on against Washington. It'd be nice to say, "Hey, look, we're we're above 500, and it's not week one." Um, but uh, I mean, interesting stat for you: on passes 20 yards or more through the air downfield, Winston's passer rating is 123. Mariota's is five. So yeah, I'm really happy we we didn't. You know, we should have drafted Mariota. I mean, come on. Yeah, the Bucks are going to beat the, the Giants. I mean, Eli has six touchdowns, no interceptions. They put up 49 points and lose that in Portland. I mean, that game was actually fun to watch, but this is hilarious. Looking at Eli's face after that field goal went through. So, I'm going to take the Bucks to win this one outright. Forget the points. Yeah, forget the points. Quinn, who do you like? I'll take Tampa. My gra- my grandpa yeah. likes the Buccaneers, and he's one of my favorite people. So I I I like to root for Tampa. Well, you yeah, tell no, your grandpa he's a good man. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's your an grandpa's a good man. Too. Yeah, he gives Quinn all these national championship tickets. I mean, Auburn's played in two national championships in people's lives here. I mean, I'm thirty eight, thirty nine now. Damn, I'm, I'm getting old. But anyway, I've been to two. I've been to one national championship game, and Quinn's been to two. I've been to three. I was at the Notre Dame-Bama one, too. Oh, my God. Come on now. Stop bragging. And I was at the White Sox won the World Series. I was at game one of that, too. Stop. Just just stop. Hey, you know, my granddad's dead. You think think your granddad could adopt me? I'm sure he could. Okay, tell him I'll give him my bank account number and tell him to adopt it. No <laughs> donation, but uh, but here we go. The Patriots are favored 14 over the Washington Redskins. And anytime you see a line this big in the NFL, take the favorite. New England's favored 14 over the Redskins. They'll beat them by 35, Jonathan, if they want to. 
why. I, I don't mean that as, like, Washington could be a decent team. I mean that from a standpoint of, I mean, we're going to talk about fixed games. Let's let's talk about these Patriots real quick. I mean, this is a team that will be fair by 10 over somebody, be down by 20 at the half, get an outside kick and throw a Hail Mary and win the game by two. I, I that's, that's just how it goes. So um, I'm going to lay the point just because New England ought to smoke the Redskins, but I am really, really hesitant about this. For some odd reason, it's, it, this just has the smell of a late backdoor cover and New England only wins by 13. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right on that one. Here's a game I don't understand, and, and I know the Niners suck. Don't get me wrong. They, they, they're they terrible. They suck. But Atlanta sucks, too. And Atlanta's a seven-point favorite on the road in the afternoon at San Fran. I just – maybe I'm missing something here, but I just can't take Atlanta and give up seven to anybody right now on the road. What do you think, John? Well, are you going to bet on Matt Ryan or Blaine Gabbert? I'm going to bet on the under. Well, I, you know, that's that's probably the best bet in that game. I mean, we got to remember, Blaine Gabbert is starting Sunday. Not Kaepernick, Blaine Gabbert. Okay, I, I don't know if San Fran's going to score three points. So, at this <laughs> point, I think the Falcons win this game 2 nothing on a safety because Matt Ryan is about as inept as you can get. I mean, talk a, find me a worse stretch in which a guy has thrown a football game. The game against Washington where he was just given the ball. I mean, the same mistakes that they made against the Redskins, they made against the Bucs. The Bucs should have never been in that football game. And not to mention, after all that, the Falcons should have never got that to overtime. I mean, what a complete trash football organization right now in Atlanta. They start off hot, and everybody's looking at it. Oh, look at them. And they're just getting dog stomped. And then you look at their schedule, and you go, oh, well, they beat a Romo with Cowboys. They beat the Giants. They beat Houston, who's probably the worst team in football. They beat Tennessee by three points, mind you. Who, well, actually, they might be the worst. I mean, they played nobody. They beat nobodies. And then they lost to, I hate to say this about my bucks, but nobodies. It's a terrible football team. I mean, what's it's going on in Atlanta? Atlanta what am I missing? It's a typical Atlanta sports team. <laughs> Valid. Yeah, the Atlanta Falcons, man. Just like the Georgia Bulldogs, just like the Atlanta Braves. I mean, just just choke artists. Atlanta Hawks, the Thrashers, whoever. I mean, I mean, it's just the same old story. For Mark Rigg, guys, I mean, they're already talking about firing him and giving him an ultimatum, and they're starting to get guys decommitting from them. So that shows you how yep. stupid they are already. Their, their, big, uh, their big QB commit that they're talking about yep. coming in, I guess he's just committed to Richard is what I heard. So if Richard gets fired, he's gone, and he already listed the team he, he might I go to. to. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you this, and and I'm not airing his dirty laundry because I don't know a lot about it, but Mark Rick's going through a divorce right now. And you think about this. I've never been through one, but I've heard their hell, and it's worse than going through a death. And if he's going through a divorce right now, which he is, he's got kids, he's a Christian man, you never know what happened. I mean, he might have oh, called God. his wife in bed with a 
He might have caught his wife in bed with a player. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. When Tupperville struggled as bad as he did, people didn't realize that he was going through a divorce. He walked in and caught his wife in bed with a guy that was building their house. You know, I mean, he just never know what's going on in people's lives. And Mark Rick's a great man. Fire Mark Rick, Georgia, and then see what happens to all your recruits. I mean, they're going to come to Auburn. They're going to come to Florida State, Georgia, Notre Dame, wherever they want to go. But they're going to leave you because you're getting rid of the man. That's, I mean, look, Mark Rick needs to just get the right. He, he's set on defense. He's got the right defensive coordinator there. I think he does. He just needs an offensive coordinator. Bobo wasn't the problem. You know, I mean, it, even if you're talented, it's hard to win year in and year out in football. It's just hard. It, you got to have a little luck and everything. Mark Rick should have more championships. I've been a Mark Rick critic, but you fire him right now, Jonathan. We talked about this. You're going to have the recruiting trail is going to be tough. Who are you going to replace Mark Rick with? That's my question. I keep asking. Who? Yeah. Well, I heard an interesting name yesterday, and it bothered me a little, to be honest. Uh, Jimbo. Um, that the kind of it bothers me, obviously, to hear that because I, I he aggravates the hell out of me, especially in games against Georgia Tech and North Carolina State, and you know games where we choke away leads because he decides to just hide in the shell. Um, but I mean, I'd hate to lose him. He's a great recruiter. He's a good human being. Um, and, I mean, you want to talk about coaches going through divorces. I mean, Jimbo went through one last year. Let's not forget about that now. You know, Jimbo had to go through a divorce, you know, and that's still going on. Why? Um, well, why because did, the court did, 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 he, did, did, did he cheat on her? Uh, from I, I don't know what spurned it. I, I haven't dug into it, and I haven't really cared to. But from what I understand, his wife's the one that kind of pushed for it, and I've heard rumblings that it was he was never home. He just slept at the office, and that just started to bother her after a while. And to which I said, seriously, I mean, you know what you got when you're <laughs> if, if, But anyway. If, if, I, if I told my wife that I was making five, six million dollars a year, she would tell me to to live at the office and just send her a check. That's all she'd tell me ever. She she wouldn't want to see me. She could care less. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, you know, and you're dead on. You're spot on with that. Uh, so, I mean, if if we're going to replace Mark Rick and we're not going to go hire a Justice Fuente because uh, Georgia has to have a big name, which is stupid because Georgia can't recruit their own state because a bunch of the guys in their state are transient. So, let's leave it at that. I mean, right there, boom, done. You know, that's not like you have lifetime Georgia fans in, like, Atlanta. You know, a lot of them are there for, for work. They've moved there. I mean, my, my my mother was talking about moving to Atlanta for work coming up, and, and she she's from Illinois. So she has no allegiance. She has no want to for Georgia. So it's just it's weird. And then if you look at the recruiting breakdown, West Georgia leans more Alabama and Auburn. Southern Georgia leans more Florida and Florida State. And the Northern Georgia leads uh, pretty well into Tennessee. So, I mean, they're kind of just stuck, and now Clemson's right in the middle fighting with them. So it, they're in a weird recruiting battles all over their own state. You have a loud fan base, but it's kind of like the Miami fan base. They just talk talk, I believe, and half of them don't contribute to the university whatsoever. So 
it's just it, there's a funky odor going on here because I don't know if there's going to be a big name coach for him to get because I don't think you're going to get a Jimbo or a Les Miles or an Urban Meyer or somebody like that to come down to Georgia right now. So I mean, stick with Mark until you know you can get a big name. And, and I'm telling you, Georgia's a big time job of the recruiting base within the SEC. So I'm reading this article right now. Hold on a minute. It says current Auburn freshman quarterback Sean White will be a favorite to start for the Tigers next season after replacing Jeremy Johnson in the three games. But now there will be another quarterback in the conversation, John Franklin. I'm telling you guys, this is stupid to even say this is not a competition. That's when they brought in. But here's the deal. Franklin wasn't that accurate in East Mississippi Community College. It's 58.2%, uh, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, rushed for 451. That's the key here, guys. He, threw, he ran for 451 yards and nine touchdowns. Remember, these guys uh, got kicked out of the playoffs. They got, a, I don't know if you watched it, go back and watch the junior college uh this game, I mean, these people beat the dogs out of each other on the side, on the field. I mean, they this team was undefeated. He beat quarterback four, and they sabotaged them. They got them in a fight, and they're in a fist fight. The whole team, the coaches, the parents, the fans are beating the hell out of each other. And now nobody can go to the playoffs from that team. And that's what it was. It was their rival was like, okay, we're going to get them kicked out of the playoffs. We're going to get in a fist fight with them. And so, I mean, I don't know, but to, I'm going to tell you this. I'm I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I know Auburn football. I'm a homer in ways, no no doubt. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not. But I know quarterbacks. I know Gus Malzahn. You don't bring a Juco in, Jonathan, unless you're going to start him, do you really? I mean, honestly. We saw Coker. He just screwed up and he just got outplayed. But do you think Auburn would go out and get this guy? Do you think this quarterback would come to Auburn right now if he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback? Just, just no, 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 no. He was promised the job. Um, and this reminds you of the Coker-Sims battle where, you know, you have the dual-threat quarterback against more of a pocket passer. Um, this also reminds you of the Jameis and Coker battle. It's funny how he, Coker's been in two of these now. Um, to where <laughs> Jacob was going into that battle between Coker and Winston, it was common knowledge. I mean, it was common knowledge that Winston was going to start this year. And the only reason there was a quarterback battle was so that Coker wouldn't transfer before the season just in case we needed him, you know, in case Jameis did come out and lay an egg. So that's what's exactly. going to happen. I mean, this, it, there's going to be a competition until, you know, the last week of August when Malzahn goes, all right, I'm done, I'm done screwing with you. Franklin's starting. Sorry, Sean, you're back up. We'll <laughs> let you leave, you know, in April. I, I mean, that's exactly what's yeah. going to happen. That, that's not exactly. Rocked. Jeremy Johnson is leaving, though, guys. Would you agree with that? Jeremy Johnson is on the first train to Troy, Alabama. Where he's gonna oh, debut there next year? He's gonna be a Troy. He's know. gonna be, but I don't know. He might. Know. He might be. If he if he truly loves Auburn, then he's gonna stay and he's gonna and then he'll say to Malzahn, "What can I do to help contribute to this team?" And I think that's what he, he might does. do. He stay doesn't off the love field. Auburn. He loves a 
He loves it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, what, he, what, what can I do to help out? Get off my field. Done. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, what what else can I do to help out? You know what, son? How about you go transfer to Alabama and get the starting quarterback job over there? That would really help out. Okay, coach. That, that's what I can just see but, that conversation happening. But I'm well, tell you I this. just think Remember of this. like what Cody Burns did. And Cody Burns went to a wide receiver. Jeremy Johnson could go to like a tight end or something like that. Well, the difference is Cody Burns had no shot in hell of ever being an NFL quarterback. Jeremy Thank Johnson you. does if he if he mentally gets it. You know, if something clicks and and – just say he goes to Troy and he lights it up. He's got the frame work, the arm and everything. Cody Burns couldn't throw it 15 yards. But it, but it reminds me of but it reminds me of Jason Campbell back in Auburn in 2003. He got benched. You know, he, he was terrible. 2004, he led his team to 13-0, 14-0, whatever it was that season. So, it, and this could be an interesting conversation if he doesn't transfer. You'd have Jeremy Johnson. This Juco guy and Sean White, those are three could be great quarterbacks. Three could be, but I, I, White's not going to lead Auburn to the promised land. He's a he's good in a backup role against San Jose State if you need somebody to come in and give you guy breath or to keep you in a game, but he's not going to win you a game. And that's why Malzahn saw what he saw. He saw what I saw, what everybody else saw that would look. And I'm not a Sean White hater like everybody thinks. I, yeah. I don't hate the kid. I, I wish him the best. But yeah. Jeremy Johnson is going to transfer, Quinn. Jeremy Johnson is going to transfer. He's going to play immediately at somewhere, a smaller school, because he is capable of being an NFL quarterback. Cody Burns yeah. knew that, hey, I'm going to coach. I'm going to coach one day. I want to don't want to be Malzahn's lackey and put my nose up his butt and get a job and and make some easy money. So he stayed at Auburn and did that. Jeremy Johnson yeah. doesn't love Auburn. Jeremy Johnson loves Jeremy. Yeah, I, th- don't blame yeah, I, th- <laughs> yeah, I think the Juco, Juco will end up being the starter. I just, I just wanted to see if he, if he would come, if he would, if he would come to Auburn and he is. So yeah, I think, I think they'll probably. Oh, I'm thinking about coming to Auburn. I'm looking at the quarterback situation. I'm thinking about coming to Auburn to try out. I mean, (laughs) looking at it right now. So this guy, I mean, all I've got to do is go out there and run around, get a few yards, and throw a pass to a receiver, and I've got the job, right, Jonathan? Pretty much. I mean, (laughs) I don't don't think I hadn't thinking about. You know, I I was thinking, hey, I should go walk on at Florida State. I mean, all you got to do is just hand the ball off. You know, and when you're asked to throw it, just, you know, I don't know. Hey, <laughs> I mean, I watched hey, Herbert Golson. My, my reaction was, that's a quarterback? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I got some news for y'all. I mean, it's already showing that Mark Rick lost his team this year. Georgia's quit. Two of their players got arrested this morning. So, it's, it's starting right now, Georgia. Auburn, congratulations. You get to play Georgia and beat them and get bowl eligible and play in the Pasquale's Buffet Bowl. So, Man, if there, if there ain't two teams that are just that just deserve each other this year, Georgia and Auburn deserve each other this year. I, I mean, they should they should be stuck together the rest of the season. Every week, Georgia should have to play Auburn. We'll switch locations. We'll, we'll move it around the country. 
I mean, <laughs> what a crap fest compared to what the preseason expectations were. Now, yeah. Remember, it's yeah. Georgia, y'all. Let's not overthink this. Georgia still won the SEC East. Hey, Auburn's got this this year, guys. Watch. I mean, really? Well, let's save let's save the time and trouble of people out there. You know, let's just come to the – they all come to midfield and fist fight for about 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes, and whoever has the most people standing after 15 minutes wins, and we move on. No Man, let's just have a kumbaya circle. Because I, I don't – you can hear me Johnson out there throwing, throwing punches. The only thing he might do is hit himself. <laughs> he would he would he would he would try to hit no no he would he would he would do some damage he'd hit a he'd hit three Georgia players at the same time with a ball eighty yards down the field he wouldn't hit an Auburn guy but he'd hit three Georgia players. I mean y'all y'all already lost that fight when it was Duke left. If y'all said Duke, I I take y'all. But I mean now that he's gone, who, who's going to be throwing punches? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I've had some fun tonight. Thank y'all for joining us. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday night, eight thirty p.m. Eastern. And guys, we'll have a lot to talk about. There's going to be so much to talk about. We're going to start. Probably, we'll probably start at eight o'clock Eastern. Maybe a little bit earlier, since the Sunday night football game is going to suck. So we may jump in earlier to get more time in. But guys, thanks for joining me. We will see you Sunday night. I'll let you know Saturday to Sunday what time. Guys, thanks for joining me. Have a great week. Yeah. All right, y'all. You, you guys too.